0: Hello, happy national birthday. It's me, Sean, podcast host and narrator of This Day in Wikipedia. I apologize for the lateness of today's episode. The last two days have been really busy for me. My sleep schedule is incredibly screwed up because I've been watching Japanese wrestling at like 2 a.m. So I have not been sleeping very well. So I apologize that this podcast came out later on the 5th instead of on the 5th, but hey, this'll hopefully be the only one that's late. It's been a really eventful few days for me. Uh had a lot of fun watching Wrestle Kingdom that I talked about yesterday. It was a really good show. We have some really fun, interesting people to talk about today. I think I said this before, I'm really trying to make this international and not American-centric, so I did have an american for the birth today but then when i was looking through the births again to for january 5th i found one that i can't believe i overlooked the first time i looked at the list of births and i got really excited so with that tease we are going to go ahead and start so on this day january 5th 1941 heyo miyazaki was born in bunkyo tokyo so I know a lot of people listening right away probably know who Miyazaki is and are like, Oh, Sean, I know everything there is to know about Miyazaki. I've seen all of his movies. I agree with you. Like, this is probably the least interesting person I could have done today since his life is very well known. But, you know, I love Miyazaki. So I wanted to just tell people who maybe hadn't heard about Miyazaki before about him. To maybe encourage people to go out and watch his library of absolutely fantastic films. So, with that, Miyazaki is a celebrated animator, director, producer, screenwriter, author, and manga artist. He is the co-founder of Studio Ghibli and one of the most just acclaimed animators in history. He is often called the Walt Disney of Japan. Studio Ghibli is called the Disney of Japan. Miyazaki has always worked in animation. His first animation job was with Toei Studios in 1963, when he was just a mere 22 years old. And he sort of worked all over the Japanese animation industry, And it, but it wasn't until 1979 that he finally directed his first feature film, which was The Castle of Cagliostro in 1979, and Nausicaa... Of The Valley of the Wind in 1984. Over the years, he has developed a gigantic reputation. He started to become really well known with his films Castle in the Sky, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, and Porco Rosso. But it really wasn't until 1997 with Princess Mononoke that he really became a worldwide name the success of princess mononoke was followed up in 2001 with spirited away and then howl's moving castle in 2004. around the time that howl's moving castle was coming out almost all of the earlier ghibli films like nausicaa porco rosso kiki's delivery service etc were all being released on dvd with very high budget u.s English voice cast, Jillian Anderson, Billy Crudup, Claire Danes, Billy Bob Thornton, Minnie Driver, Jada Pinkett Smith, Keith David. I mean, it was just a who's who of high-end voice actors. And they really, Miramax were really put a lot behind Princess Mononoke to make sure it was a success, and it was a gigantic success in the U.S., Miyazaki's films often feature themes of environmentalism, pacifism, feminism, love, and family. One of my favorite Miyazaki stories involves the original U.S. release of Nausicaä. Nausicaä has a very strong environmentalist slant to it. It's basically about these monsters that are attacking a village because humans have irradiated these creatures' environment. When the film was released in America, it was called Warriors of the Wind. And it was just butchered. Like, they cut out all the environmentalist angle. The creatures were just creatures attacking humans. And it really pissed off Miyazaki to the point where he was very concerned about releasing any of his rest of his films in America. So, when Miramax bought the rights to Princess Mononoke, he sent the Katana Sword to Miramax (laughs) with a note that said, No cuts and since that point in time, Miyazaki has introduced a strict no-edit clause to all of his future films. Throughout his career, Miyazaki has been nominated for 177 awards and has won 120 of them. If you count only films made in Japan, his movies account for three of the top five grossing films of all time. Spirited Away is number two, Princess Mononoke is number four, And Howl's Moving Castle is number five. Generations of filmmakers, including Wes Anderson, Guillermo del Toro, Bong Joon-ho, and Steven Spielberg have all cited Miyazaki Films as inspiration. His final film, as of today, was 2016's The Wind Rises, which is a semi-biography of a famous Japanese plane engineer named Jiro Horikoshi. It has been rumored recently that Miyazaki may have plans for a new film coming out, but nothing has been officially announced. If you are interested in watching any of the Studio Ghibli or Miyazaki films, uh, I highly recommend Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, and Castle of the Sky. Ghibli's films are great. Our next subject. So, on this day, January 5th, 1970, Catalan composer Roberto Gerhard died. Gerhard was... This guy, so... Really, the reason that I picked him was, like I said, because I'm trying to, like, keep, um, you know, like, international. And as I was reading about him and then talking to my friend from Spain, I found Roberto Gerhard's life, like, incredibly interesting. So he was born September 25th, 1896, and he was born in the Catalan region of Spain. It's the northeast part of the country, and it borders France to the north. His father was German-Swiss, and his mother was Alsatian, but due to being born in Catalan, Roberto identified with the culture that he grew up in. He studied piano and composition, but his teacher, Philippe Pedrel, died in 1922. Gerhard tried desperately to find a new teacher in Manuel de Fala, but was rejected by de Fala. After searching for years, he was finally taken under the wing of Austrian composer Arnold Schoenberg and was Schoenberg's only Spanish student ever. Upon Gerhard's return to Barcelona, he threw himself into music. His songs often had like themes of Spanish folklore that was going through them. During the Spanish Civil War, he was allied with the left-leaning Republicans, and after Francisco Franco took over the country... Gerhard fled to England while in England his music was more or less banished from Spain it was actually during his time in England that he wrote some of his greatest works specifically Don Quixote and the Duenna he is also widely thought to be one of the first composers of electronic music in britain and his incidental music for king lear in 1955 was the first electronic score for british stage presentation he died in 1970 in cambridge and is buried at the parish of the ascension burial grounds and his archive of music is kept in cambridge so while talking to a friend of mine from spain about roberto you know i mentioned that he exiled himself when uh, franco took over to which my friend diego responded that that actually was very common that a lot of artists and a lot of left-leaning people that supported the Republicans fled the country after Franco took over. And in fact, some of Diego's family was actually exiled during Franco's time as ruler. So I just thought that that was really interesting that, you know, while not, you know, that the guy, even after he was exiled, he still really loved that Spanish side of his life and that Spanish part of his life. And, made sure that all of his music reflected Spain and always showed Spain in a popular light, even if he himself was largely unable to visit the country outside of a few holidays. And finally, on January 5th, 1933, construction began on the Golden Gate Bridge. So while the Golden Gate Bridge itself is interesting, what I found really interesting Interesting, too, was just how it was designed. Um, Before the bridge was built, the only way to get across the water to what is now Marin County was by a ferry. It was a relatively short ferry ride at 27 minutes, and the cost of a ticket was a dollar. A bridge was desired, but many engineers at the time felt that a bridge that long could just not be safely built to withstand the water and the tides of of the San Francisco Bay. The original cost of the Golden Gate Bridge was projected to be over $100 million, which is the equivalent of roughly $2.3 billion today, and it was just totally infeasible to build something like that. Engineer Joseph Strauss claimed that he could build a bridge for $17 million, or $399 million today. And it took Strauss over 10 years to drum up enough support for a bridge, And he faced opposition from a wide range of sources, including unions who only wanted union labor to work on the bridge. The United States Navy, who was worried that the bridge might impede ships from coming in and out of the harbor. And potentially, they were also worried that the bridge could be, like, bombed and that it would fall into the harbor and then prevent any ship traffic from leaving and finally from the southern pacific railroad which was an incredibly powerful company in california and they owned the ferry services and they were actually worried about losing the money from the ferries across the harbor strauss from what i was able to kind of gather doing this research strauss was like a bit of a con man in a sense like he he knew what he was talking about but he really was a confidence man more than anything. And he worked with an array of engineers on the final design of the bridge, including senior engineer Charles Ellis, who was responsible for the structural design of the bridge. And basically, upon his completion of, like, the blueprints, I guess? I'm I'm sure I'm not using the correct terminology. But when the design was finished, he basically fired Strauss and then (laughs) claimed everything for himself and was like, here's what I did. It took six years for the Golden Gate Bridge to be built. And in 1937, when the bridge opened, Ellis was specifically not invited to the opening of the bridge. At the time of its completion, the Golden Gate Bridge was the longest and tallest suspension bridge ever created. The bridge is considered one of the modern wonders of the world and is Considered one of the most photographed bridges ever, the other interesting thing that I read too is that it got its red color because the designers felt like if it was foggy outside that the bridge would be easier to see if it was red, thus you know could avoid some more you know, thus could avoid some accidents um so yeah, January fifth very interesting day, so thank you all so much for joining me. Have a fantastic day, and I will see you tomorrow, Wednesday, January 6th. Goodbye.